When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3 on 3 Blazers. Coming up on the podcast, Neil Olshay out, Joe Cronin in. Our first impressions after a conversation with the Blazers interim GM. Plus, beef simmering in Rip City, you don't say. Damian Lillard versus Woj slash Neil? We'll break it down and we'll check in with the state of the team. 11 and 15, come on now. The Blazers need a win in the worst way and a stacked schedule is on the horizon. Let's start the show. It is so good to be back here in the KGW studios. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley. Jared, it's good to see you as we do this podcast face-to-face, man. How are things in your world since the last time we spoke? Oh, things are amazing. You know why. (laughs) You know, I want to get like right into that because your fandom for the Trailblazers was on the line. Yes. So... Neil Olshea is out. He's he's fired. His workplace misconduct. Uh, no longer a part of this team. How you feeling about that, man? This is how it should have been. It's uh, it's not too late because for the first time in a long time, as a Blazers fan, I have hope. But thank goodness, thank goodness, this is how it went down. Um, you know, I talked a lot about Neil Olshea on our last podcast. Went off on his basketball record, you know, as the GM went off on the way he treats people for about 40 minutes. So Mm -hmm. I don't have too much more to say. I don't even want to talk about him anymore. I don't want to see his face anymore. (laughs) I don't want to hear his voice anymore. I'm just glad he's gone. But, you know, I'm out there listening to all the festive holiday music during the season, and (laughs) I hear Joy to the World, and I hear... The most wonderful time of the year, and I'm like, man, are they are they singing about Neil being gone? <laughs> oh man, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good. I I do. I feel wonderful. Like he held Blazers fans hostage for almost a decade, and thank goodness that's over. So, in a lot of ways, the the organization, the franchise, moves forward and kind of completes the end of an era. Yes. You know, Terry Stotts gone, Neil Olshay gone. Even on the business side with Chris McGowan, he's now leaving. So you're seeing a lot of change around the organization. 
especially with its top decision makers outside of ownership. Um, and that's kind of what Thursday was all about at the Trailblazers practice facility in Tualatin. And they dubbed it as a conversation. <laughs> you know, this was, you know, a chance to kind of change the image around there specifically a little hippy dippy portland conversation oh totally man but i wasn't mad at it because it was nice it, it really gave us the opportunity to get to know uh some new faces and you know chauncey billups was there as well so the the main event obviously was getting a chance to meet and talk to the team's current general manager interim on an interim basis joe cronin and just kind of get a feel for, one, who he is, what his personality is, and ultimately, how much power does he really have? Right. Will he be able to execute a deal if one is presented? Can he make one? And that's really where this podcast is going to start um, because there was a lot to unpack, even though there wasn't a whole lot that was really said I think more than anything, it was about gaining a, a first impression and, and just really getting a chance to know the guy. And I was out there um, at the practice facility, so it was pretty cool. And, you know, after the press conference, we got a chance. He, he hung out for a little bit. So it was it was nice to just small talk and, uh, you know, look the guy in the eye and, you know, with the mask on and <laughs> you know, get a chance right. to, to really shoot the breeze for a couple of minutes. And so I thought that was a lot of fun and, and, you know, obviously he's been here for a long time. I mean, 16th season yeah. with the organization. So it, it's kind of that weird vibe where they're new to us and he's new to this position, but at the same time, he's been around, man. Like he's worked his way up the ranks and, uh, you know, going from the assistant general manager to now the interim GM, um, he is now in a position where, in theory, he could make a deal. And I know that's what a lot of Trailblazers fans are waiting for is something new. So, Jared, I want to bring you in here and, and ask you about your first impression. We streamed it on KGW.com. Um, you did a great job with that, man, and making sure that our viewers could, could watch it as it was happening. And also, you know, you can still check it out on, on our KGW YouTube page as well. So uh, if you haven't heard from it, I think it's it's worth a listen in in terms of just getting to know the new GM, which is just a, a totally different vibe than what it was like with Neil Olshay. Um, just totally different personalities. So, Jared, I want to start there with just your first impression in, in hearing him speak. Yeah, and also on KGW.com, we wrote up a lengthy article, you know, looking at, at what Cronin said and what, you know, Dwayne Hankins and, and Chauncey Billups, who were also at the conversation yesterday, what they said. Um, but I think that first we should talk about just the feel mm -hmm. um, and how much it, how different it was than what we, you know, endured with Neil O'Shea over the past 10 years. And Joe Cronin just comes off as a very personable, warm, sincere, intelligent uh, person. Um, I wrote about it, you know, my, just my initial reaction um, I tweeted it. Joe Cronin has Portland vibes in a way the last guy never did. Rocking the beard, long sleeve button-up shirt with the sleeves rolled up, <laughs> all nerdy about analytics and the salary cap. 
I get Joe. I like Joe. <laughs> his, I, I thought he was your brother, man. No, I was no. like, is there any relation here? Yeah, we're, we're, we're one in the same, except for he's a lot smarter than I am. But <laughs> he's yeah. a big dude. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's, Super tall. He's got about six inches of height on me. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, just it was just such a different just vibe, and it was so welcoming. Um, it and as a Blazers fan, it was just a relief. It was a breath of fresh air and exactly what this fan base needs right now. Um, because a lot of Blazers fans have felt exactly the way I feel about this. And I think that everyone reacted, you know, especially if you're just paying attention to, to how people were reacting on Twitter in the same way, just like we like this guy, you know, he's, he's someone you can root for. And so I just, it, it just felt good. It was an enjoyable press conference. And like you said, they didn't really say that much, Mm -hmm. but just the fact that, you know, you weren't being insulted and, and mocked and ridiculed. And, you know, that that was just a nice welcome change. Definitely a, a super chill personality. You know, mm-hmm. um, Neil is very direct. Uh, he's used to being in front of cameras. He's very polished on the mic, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, but just a, a totally different personality is the, the best way I can describe it. You know, very soft-spoken but um, deliberate in his message and in his answers when asked about a variety of things during this quote-unquote conversation. Yeah, soft-spoken, but with confidence. Totally. You know, and, and that's what I liked. And, you know, all the good vibes and, you know, doesn't matter if he's not able to go in and make the changes that are necessary to, you know, put this team on the path where Damian Lillard and, and the fan base and everyone wants them to be. And I think he said a lot of, semi-interesting things yeah. uh, yesterday about that. He said that he kind of talked about the message that he's received from ownership. He's been told to hit the ground running. He said, uh, quote, my understanding is yes. Go out, do your job, find deals, participate as if you're the GM. Mm-hmm. And then he said uh, something I thought that was interesting when he just talked about how he will approach these next couple months, you know, the trade deadlines in a couple months. He said, I want to be patient. And I don't want to be reactive, but I do feel urgent to at least find out what's out there and what's available. I want to be patient and evaluating and making decisions. The urgency, like I said, it's more making calls, talking to people, being creative, thinking out of the box on deals. I have a big urgency to do that, and I do want to be aggressive. But at the same time, I want to pull back and have a really smart and collaborative look at things. But we're not afraid to do something if we need to, and we'll do whatever we need to in order to take us to this next step. But I do want to be patient. I don't want to panic about losing a few in a row or hitting a little rough patch. We want to have a bigger picture in mind. And I think that's that's good. I mean, you want that that balance. And I do like what he said about how aggressive he wants to be. And what's really interesting, and we'll get into this in a little bit, Jason Quick had one of, I think, the best articles I've ever read from him in The Athletic last night, a real deep dive into Joe Cronin, uh, excellent in-depth reporting, talked to a lot of different people, really had some great conversations with Cronin, it looks like, and that gave me a lot more confidence um, reading that article that Joe Cronin, one, is ready for this. He's been prepared for this. He's been uh, kind of brought up to for this moment and that he has the autonomy to go out there and make the moves, and that was a big question. Mm-hmm. You know, can he go out there and trade C.J. McCollum? Can he go out there and trade Yusuf Nurkic or, or Robert Covington? Things like that. And I think that those questions 
all you can do is believe what you've been told, but it, it, it seems to me that those questions have been answered. Yeah, and I did like that he really opened uh, this press conference that way in addressing, obviously, you know, the image around the yeah. practice facility was kind of the, the primary focus for them in doing this and saying, look, you know, we want to be more inclusive, collaborative, communicative in what they're doing, combining the business side with the basketball side, really working together, uh, you know, on, on a cohesive, you know, basis. And so that was number one. But number two was hearing him, you know, use the word aggressive, which yeah. I think a lot of Blazers fans are hoping for because we've seen what happens when you work the margins. We've seen how good this team can be when you work around, you know, Dame and CJ as your the focal point, the center of it all. Um, and now it's time for a breath of fresh air, a little bit of change. And so when I heard him say that, that was one of the few notes that I took um, in that in that press conference was basically what you just read there um, off the top. And so he he mentioned the process that most GMs have, and I think that he falls under. And when he used the word aggressive, what he said was that he really meant, like, I want to get on the phone and start making calls and just see what's out there. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily be like, I've got CJ, anybody want him? Right, you know? exactly. Because it, that, and that's smart because that would lessen the leverage that he has if he does want to trade CJ. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that was really interesting. And, like, my biggest question is when he gets the deal to the one-yard line, like he said, right. and then he presents it to ownership, will ownership have the confidence in him to be able to pull the trigger? Yeah, and, and that, that is a good question. And, and we won't know until we actually hear a deal you know, being done because I think with Olshay, he had earned that trust and whatever with uh, Jody in particular where it was, this is the deal, I think it's good because – and them saying, all right, you're our guy. We trust you. Let's let's make it happen. Go ahead. That's my impression. I don't know that, you know, I haven't, I've never actually talked to Jody Allen, much like most no, of us. Nobody but, has. <laughs> but that's been my impression. Um, and so we're going to find out how much trust they have in Cronin. But, you know, as, as you've mentioned, as, as Jason Quick has mentioned, um, like this dude has been in the organization. Like he's earned his stripes. Yeah. And so – uh, there's reason to believe that that can happen. Yeah, I mean, this isn't – he's never been a general manager before, so you mm -hmm. can't say he has a lack of experience. But this – at the same time, he's not, you know, a front office, ex uh, you know, employee who lacks experience. Mm -hmm. I think he has been brought to this moment. You know, he said in the Jason Quick article, and you should go to The Athletic. And if you don't subscribe, you should, and you should read that article. He said, I was built for this. <laughs> You know, and, and he knows that. And, and then Jason Quick kind of went through and talked about everything that he's done over the past 16 years. You know, he started out as an intern. He worked his way up to scout. Then he worked his way up to director of player personnel. Then he worked his way up to assistant general manager, and now he's the interim general manager. Um, he's been in all the meetings now for years. Mm -hmm. 
He's been a voice it talks about in this article and also uh, Ben Falk, uh, who does cleaning the glass and who used to work for the Blazers and worked with Cronin, also talked about this. He wasn't afraid of voicing his opinion, even if it went against the grain, even if it went against Neil O'Shea in these meetings. Mm-hmm. And then when the moment came to make a decision, he'd get on board because they're a team. Mm-hmm. But he was never afraid to voice his opinion, even if it was a contrary opinion. Um, during, you know, when he was a scout, it was at that time he started studying the CBA, read that 500-page document you know, time after time after time after time and became one of the premier experts on the salary cap and the CBA in, in the entire league. It said in the article that Neil O'Shea back in 2012, you know, trusted and, in, you know, liked Cronin so much that he started entrusting him with, and I want to read this verbatim, initiating trade talks, recruiting free agents, negotiating contracts, building the summer league and training camp rosters. He's been doing that kind of stuff, general manager work, for years. And it said in the article, at the long table where the big decisions are made, Cronin had a vote. So I think that over the past 16 years with the team, and especially over the past eight or nine years, he has been prepared for this. Mm -hmm. So I think he is ready to hit the ground running. In the press conference yesterday, Dwayne uh, Hankins said, um, about this search, he said there's no timetable, which would seem like that's a frustrating thing. Why not? Mm-hmm. But what he said was interesting. He said ownership has said they're in the first quarter of this search. They're not in any rush because having Joe here has made them feel very comfortable with the direction of the team. I think that ownership trusts Joe Cronin a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, so I do think he does have full autonomy to act as the GM right now. It feels like a legitimate audition, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And it's not a legitimate audition unless he can go in and actually make trades, even big trades. Mm-hmm. And then one other thing in that article that Jason Quick wrote, he said, Cronin said the Blazers are not embarking on a rebuild. They're not going to tweak around the margins, and they will not sustain the status quo. He plans to, quote, enhance the roster. So let's just read between the lines there. Here's the things they're not doing. He says they're not embarking on a rebuild. Mm-hmm. That would be trading Dame. Mm-hmm. So they're not trading Dame. He said they're not tweaking around the margins. That would be just trading Rocco or something to get under the salary cap, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not what they're doing. They're not sustaining the status quo, so they're not just going to sit on their hands and make no moves. They're going to enhance the roster. And to me, that means they're going to look into trading C.J. McCollum. They're going to look into trading Rocco. They're going to look into trading Nurkic. And I, it means that Anthony Simons and Nasir Little are on the block, too, on the table just because of the value they have as young players mm-hmm. that if it takes something like that putting one of them in a deal putting a you know draft picks in a deal to make that necessary move to bring another star in to pair with Damian Lillard to enhance the roster then I think Cronin's going to do that it's time it is time it's well past time <laughs> speaking of uh it's it's Dame time also <laughs> <laughs> man uh if you're a fan of pettiness, NBA Twitter, drama, I feel like the past week or so has been everything you could have asked for and more in terms <laughs> of the, uh, the trail bla- involving the trailblazers. You got all of it. Yeah, you totally did. You got the tea. And so, you know, Damian Lillard and, you know, we're, we're laughing, is this beef? <laughs> what is this exactly? You know, is it, is it simmering on a Rip City grill uh, on a winter day here? 
in Portland? I don't know, but you know, a, a couple of back-to-back reports from you know the biggest NBA uh, reporters uh, in the game. You know, putting Damian Lillard in their mouth, and <laughs> you know, Dame uh, then you know trying to you know quote unquote set the record straight on you know how he feels ab- about Portland and you know him wanting to be here and him supporting Chauncey Billups like. There was something every day, man. Yeah, it seemed like it. So uh, let's kind of dive in. I think, you know, the big one, obviously, uh, Sham Sharania had a report that came out, Sam Amick. But also the following day was the uh, Adrian Wojnarowski piece uh, that was out there. So I want to start there, Jared, and just your your major takeaways from those reports. So, yeah, the Shams Tarania and Sam Amick report in The Athletic came out first. Um, and that one was, it kind of rehashed a lot of the stuff that we already know about the investigation into Neil O'Shea, about what happened last summer with Dame being unhappy, about him wanting, you know, Jason Kidd as the coach and not getting that. But it also had a few new things in there just about how maybe Damian Lillard isn't happy with, you know, the state of the team right now. <laughs> maybe there's some conflict between the players and new coach Chauncey Billups. Um, there were some new details in there about that Damian Lillard, you know, Shams and, and Amick wrote that multiple sources told them that Damian Lillard wants to play with Philadelphia 70, 76ers. Uh, ben Simmons. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And that there were multiple frameworks of trades that were discussed between the two teams, including... The Blazers offered C.J. McCollum a first-round pick and one of either Anthony Simons or Nasir Little, and the Sixers rejected that. And the Sixers came to the Blazers and wanted C.J. McCollum and three first-round picks and three first-round pick swaps, and the Blazers rejected that. And so I think those were the main takeaways from that article, which, you know, there was just a, it was just kind of more of the same that, you know, what we've seen from the national media with Dame over the past few months. But Dame responded to that. I think a, another quote tweet from Dame, um, just saying MFers love drama, <laughs> which he's right. That's, <laughs> that's what the media Hasht- does. Hashtag F-U-N. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but the big one, like you said, was the next day yeah. when, when Adrian Wojnarowski wrote an article that it really, really, really seems like his primary source for that article was Neil Olshay. And I think that a lot of people saw that, including, uh, I think, Damian Lillard, as kind of uh, a hit on on Lillard from Olshay on his way out the door, mm-hmm. um, because it talked kind of it, it kind of painted Dame as this <laughs> superstar working behind the scenes, right. running power plays, trying to you know scheme to to get all of his best friends on the team out the door. Mm-hmm. And I so I think that when Dame responded to that negatively, um, and that was kind of a funny way that he responded, someone. Someone posted a picture of Donald Trump and Mike Pence, former president and, and vice president of the United States, and said uh, Woj and Olshay working on Woj's latest article together or something <laughs> like that. And then I think Dame quote tweeted that and said something along, what did he say in the quote tweet? Yeah, so the, the tweet, it says, quote, Woj and Olshay, after writing that article slandering Dame, <laughs> and Dame replied with, can't say I'm surprised. There you go. So, so Dame wasn't happy with that one, and I, I kind of understand that because in that article, it did say that one Dame wants a two-year super max, max extension next summer, which would tack on to 
his current contract, which has three more years after this year on it, and would pay him something like 50 to 55 million in his age 35 and 36 season, and that he wants that extension, then he wants the, the new general manager, the new front office to rebuild around him, mm-hmm. not rebuild you know by trading him, but to rebuild a, a championship level team around him. And that in order to do that, he wants them to trade the veterans on his team, which would mean CJ McCollum, which would mean Yusuf Nurkic, which mm. would mean Rocco, right. in order to do that. And it also says that he asked Olshay last offseason to trade CJ and four first-round picks for Ben Simmons. And so I can understand why Dame would be upset that if this information's true, that it got out, because that is the kind of thing that could drive a wedge between him and, you know, CJ McCollum, who has, you know, by all reports throughout their career, they've been very close, very good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know how temperamental and moody Yusuf Nurkic can be. And he and Dame are also very good friends. And so I understand how, if that's true, or even if it's not true, just putting that information out there that that would upset Dame. And a lot of people thought this painted Dame in a negative light. And I don't know if I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Because this is what superstars do in the NBA. And I think that what Dame, if this is true, what he's trying to do is just, he knows that to build a championship roster around him, they're going to have to, that, you know, what is they've done for the past what, six years with him and CJ and Nurk has, you know, it has a ceiling mm-hmm. and they've reached that ceiling and they hit, keep hitting up against that ceiling. And now they're not even reaching that ceiling anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he sees what needs to happen and he's just trying to push things in that direction. I don't think that makes him a bad person or unloyal or disloyal or any loyal or anything like that, even to someone like CJ McCollum. Um, but I can see how, Blazers fans might think that I can see how he might think that. And so he, I think that he was much more upset about that article than, than the athletic one. Right. Because minimum this rocks the boat. Yes. And when you see a report come out from Woj, like that's as big of an NBA platform as it gets in terms of news. And I mean, the players find out if they're being traded from Woj. Right. right. So like Woj carries a lot of clout like when when he puts something out and so i think even from that there's a, a level of discomfort where that was probably something dame didn't want to get out if true you know because of the relation it, it hurts the relationships and let's say cj isn't traded or nurk isn't traded or whoever whoever it is uh, then that's just something another thing that they've got to work through on top of everything else that they're going through this season. so And I do wonder if those conversations have already happened this week, if Dame has reached out to each of them and said, listen, this isn't true. I'm not angling behind the scenes to get you guys traded. Right. And based on what everything we know about Dame and the person that he is and the way that he handle, handles stuff, he's not afraid to have those conversations. Right, right. So uh, I would agree with you that it's probably happened already where yeah. he's had to, you know <laughs> – talk to them individually like look dude i'm not i'm not trying to get rid of you that's not that's not true or here's what the conversation really was right and that might be more along the lines of how those conversations went yeah so you know dame is uh you know interviewed at a shoot around which i thought was super interesting because 
players don't have to talk when they're injured. Nope. And Dame, so right there I said, wait, what? Dame talked? What? You know, that was my reaction. And, uh, you know, like there were mics, there was a camera in front of him and, you know, talked about how he is not asking for a trade. Um, that he wants to, you know, make things work here in Portland. Basically, it was like the, the weekly, yeah, you know, thing that Dame has to do nowadays, um, which is hilarious. Like anybody that's here in Portland that's in that pays attention to the Blazers, like knows this isn't the deal. But nationally, this narrative continues, and so. Props to Dame because this this would be annoying to have to address, you know, once a week. Yes. And so, you know, I asked Chauncey Billups about it at, at this conversation on Thursday. And uh, the Blazers used a, a little quote of it, um, you know, on their social media channels as well. And Chauncey had said, I, st- I still just can't believe he has to continue saying and professing his love for this city and for this organization, letting people know that he wants to be here. But that's just kind of the world that we live in. But he's been very, very clear about his intentions, what he wants, and he want, where he wants to do it at. Yeah, and at least in Portland, I mean, ESPN's going to run with this narrative because they've glommed onto it, and that's what they want out there. But at least in Portland, let's just decide to believe Dame. Like, he says this over and over and over again. This isn't like back in the day when LaMarcus Aldridge said he wanted to retire as the greatest Blazer ever and then left for San Antonio. Aldridge said that one time a year before he left. Dame reiterates, like you said, almost weekly, (laughs) I'm not asking for a trade. I don't want to leave Portland. I want to work it out here. I want to win a championship here. So let's, let's just go ahead and believe him. I have a question for you. Let's say that this thing about Dame wanting another Supermax extension is true. Do you think that the Blazers should offer him, I mean, unless he has like a career-ending injury between now and you know, this coming summer, do you think they should offer him another Supermax extension, which would pay him $50, 55000000 in his age 35 and age 36 season? Right. At this point, that number would make him, you know, the highest paid player, at least for a single season right. uh, contract in NBA history. At the moment he signs it, it will be, and then someone else right. will sign and then, it. And then that, right. the next contract will be the next biggest one. Yep. Um, but that just gives you an idea of the numbers that they're working with. And there's a major risk involved with doing something like that uh, for a player that would be on the back end of his career. Uh, you saw the Lakers do it with Kobe Bryant and where you're kind of just waiting for that contract to expire so you can do something. Um, so, ooh, I, 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 mm, like, I, I know the value of Damian Lillard here. Um, I would like to see him retire as a Portland Trailblazer. Um, I think that there, that would mean a lot to this organization, to the fan base, to not have him ever be playing for another team. You know, the way that the, the Clyde Drexler, right. you know, situation went. And obviously I know they're not the same, but just when you think about it, uh, I think that that kind of bothers the fan base and the organization. I would I struggle with this one but just to have it on wax to pick a side um I would probably sign him. Yeah. I would probably do it because I know what he means to this team um and to the the organization and to the city uh and 
I think that there's something to be said about the loyalty side of it, but they can't continue to run him into the ground. Yeah, I do think that they need to be smarter about how many minutes they play him and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of start to work load management into, you know, and now that he's getting older, so I think they need to start doing that. But I think as long as Damian Lillard wants to be in Portland, I think you continue to pay him. Mm -hmm. And I think that you look at some players like, I mean, Damian Lillard is a superstar, top in, top 10 NBA player. You look at LeBron James and what he's doing at age 37, 38, whatever age he is this year. You look at what Chris Paul is doing. There, I think Damian Lillard, I don't think it's something like he has two or three good years left. I think Damian Lillard could still be an all-NBA level performer mm -hmm. at age 35, at age 36. His game has never really been predicated on athleticism. It's been predicated on strength, mm -hmm. on, you know. Shooting. <laughs> really long-distance shooting. Right. So I think that he can continue to be the same impact player that he is well into his, you know, mid-30s. So I think that, I I mean, when I first read that, I had some sticker shock. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what if, like, this abdomen injury continues to be a problem? What if the performance we've seen from him this season becomes the new norm? then that becomes an albatross contract. But I don't think you can just go down that road where you look at the worst-case scenario and think, well, that's what's going to happen. Right. I think with Damian Lillard and what he means to this franchise and what he means to the city, you pay Damian Lillard. And I don't think, you know, let's, let's say we get to that point, and I don't think that your option number one is to blow this up yeah. and trade Dame because you don't want to re-sign him or extend him. That's your last-ditch right. effort. Yep. Blowing it up. And sure, maybe you re-sign him and you lose some of that value later on. And I guess what I'm trying to say is the first move is you got to trade the other pieces. Yep. You're building around Dame, like what Dame is allegedly asking for behind the scenes based on those reports. That's where this front office needs to start with. Um, and so if that means you've got to lock in Dame for two more years to keep him happy, that's going to be the price you pay for having a top 10 player in the NBA. Yeah. So make your deals here. And then if that doesn't work, say you trade away CJ, um, you bring in Ben Simmons, and you, know, you had to give away a bunch of draft picks, and Ben Simmons doesn't work out, and this team still stinks. And you know, there are no more pieces around Dame. Well, at that point, Damian Lillard is probably going to say, all right, you know yeah. what, we tried. Right. Uh, I want to go win a championship. Uh, I think we might need to make a deal here to get me out of here. Then you trade Dame, yep. and, and you're going to get a ton of draft picks and you back. you recoup those draft picks. Right. And you trade Ben Simmons probably, too, and you get a bunch of draft picks for him. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I understand the, the idea of, heck no, don't pay him that type of price tag. When he's out of his prime, he's an aged, you know, veteran in the league. I understand that risk, and it could end up, you know, backfiring him. He could have all kinds of injuries that come right. up later in his career, and he's not available to play, and he's just, you know, a, a big burden on the salary cap. I understand the risk that is involved with that, but I don't think that that should be your plan A, you know, if this comes up. Because based on this report, <laughs> this is something that's gonna, that is going to come up sooner than we'd like to discuss it and, and, and the Trailblazers would like to deal with. Very soon, yeah. You know, and yeah. so they're going to have to make a choice on that, and I just don't think that that's your first choice. Yeah, you, 
Yeah, you just you keep Dame as long as he wants to be here. So I'd like to spend the last, I don't know, five minutes or so in this podcast, Jared, and just talking about the state of the team. We did a great job of spending the past 35 minutes avoiding really talking about <laughs> basketball at all. Uh, there's kind of a reason behind that because I think we would lose everyone on this podcast. Thank you so much for rocking with us like you guys always continue to do and have for the past few years. We appreciate it. Uh, let everybody know about the podcast. We appreciate you. But, yeah, let's talk hoop for a minute. The Blazers are 11-15 and 15 on the season. Uh, most recently, they've had a, a couple of just uh, – <laughs> Let's just call them stinkers. Yeah, that, that's a very polite Thank way of, of putting things. But, man, like having the hometown kid, Peyton Pritchard, just fire up threes from nearly half court and, you know, having the Celtics celebrate on the side. and That was a lot of fun to watch if you're a, a West Lynn <laughs> alum <laughs> or an Oregon Ducks fan. Uh, but if you're Damian Lillard, he was not too happy about no. that. Um, but anyway, they're, they're getting worked. They've got injuries all over the place. Damian Lillard has been out for, all, what, almost two weeks now yep. with the abdominal injury. Um, you know, Chris Haynes is saying he's getting a cortisone shot. He could be back on Sunday for their game against the Timberwolves. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. And Normally, if Chris Haynes is reporting it, it's coming from Dame, yep. I think, is the understanding there. And if, if they're putting that out there, uh, it's more of a he's going to play unless something happens and, you know, he has a setback. And when I was leaving the practice facility, Jared, I was texting you, um, and then I eventually just tweeted it out. But I was, like, walking out of the, the area where they had this press conference and Dame's getting in work. I stop, and I'm like, all right, let's just see what Dame's got. How's he doing? You know, he's – you know, he's going, you know, 50%, uh, kind of, you know, a little, little bit uh, fast-paced shoot around, and um, he's working the wing, and he probably knocks down, I counted probably like 10, 12 in a row. Then he heads back to the top of the top of the key, and he's he's doing kind of like a one-foot one leaner, and he probably hits another like five, 10 in a row. And, I mean, they're just – it's butter. Like, yeah, it's yeah. – they're all dropping. And so I'm like, man, like, Dame is trying to get back ASAP. And, um, you know, they had they had different coaches working on him, um, you know, have it was probably like half half speed contact hand in his face, you know, really trying to duplicate some in-game type stuff. Um, but I just thought that was a a a welcomed sight. And so uh, a little glimmer of hope. It, it, was, it was a little glimmer of hope with with Damian Lillard there and and getting him back on the court because without Dame, they're not winning any games. And nope. all, all the other injuries are, are secondary to, to just seeing Dame back on the court, but he's not the only injury uh, that's out there. And you and I were, were talking about this, Jared, before the pod. And it was like, man, let's just take a look at the last, you know, injury report that, that was on there. And um, the injuries that we're seeing were, you know, Cody Zeller, uh, right quad contusion, Anthony Simons, right ankle sprain, CJ McCollum, who's got the collapsed lung. Right. And uh, then Damian Lillard, obviously, was, was on the injury report. And then Nasir Little, you know, has a cramp in, the, in, in, in his last game, and he left the game after <laughs> playing a ridiculous amount of consecutive <laughs> minutes. Don't play him 15 minutes in a row, Chauncey. <laughs> Chauncey, it's fun to we, – we like watching Nasir Little play out there, but <laughs> we need him for more than, you know, 15 minutes. I wonder if he just, like, forgot. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, man. Uh, oh, crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or he's just looking back and saying, well, I, I got nobody. Like, right. <laughs> we're, we're running low on guys out here. Uh, but, but, Jared, just your thoughts on, on the state of the team right now, all the injuries. Um, what are you paying attention to, man? Well, that's why we didn't talk about basketball, because honestly, <laughs> what's going on off the court is much more interesting right now than what's going on on the court. And like you said, 
it is all about Dame. If you just look at what the Blazers have done over the past two weeks, you know, their past seven games, they're one and six. Their mm. offense ranks 28th. Mm. So this, like, top-flight offense that you're accustomed to with the Blazers with Dame, it's not there when Dame's not playing. Their defense ranks 23rd. Their net rating is dead last in the NBA. They've been terrible without Damian Lillard. Mm. And I think what's interesting is, like I said, five of those games are without Dame. He's missed the past five. But the two games before that, they lost by 15 to the Warriors and 22 to the Jazz, and Dame was terrible in those two games. Mm leading up to him, you know, sitting out these past five. Clearly not right. Clearly not right. But what was interesting is before that, in the nine games before that, it, at that point it looked like Dame was turning things around. Mm-hmm. In those nine games, he averaged 27 points, four rebounds, seven assists, shot 47% from the field, 39% from three. That's Dame. Yeah, he was Western Conference Player of the Week, I believe. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they were six and three in those nine games. Mm-hmm. So it is all about Dame. But then in those two games before he had to sit out, he averaged 13 points. He made 9 of 27 shots from the field, 3 of 11 from 3. And you just saw, I remember he went up in one of those games on a drive and came down after the drive just like wincing and kind of like grabbing at his ass. Oh, yeah. You Visible. knew that he was hurt. Mm-hmm. And so what I looked at, I wanted to see what has Dame done in wins this season and what has he done in losses just to show that it is all about Dame for this team. In wins, he's averaging, you know, the stats themselves aren't that dissimilar. 22 points in wins, 21 in losses, eight assists, you know, 7.8 assists in both wins and losses, about three rebounds in wins, you know, about five rebounds in losses, but it's the shooting percentages. In wins, he's shooting 43% from the field, 41% from three, and 95% from the line. But in losses, the field goal percentage goes all the way down to 37%. Yikes. That three-point percentage goes down to 19%. (laughs) And the free throw percentage is still at 88. So it's all about Dame. I mean, I looked at, I actually went through and just looked at wins and losses stats for every other player. The only other two players on the team who have anything, anything resembling like something that matters is Rocco and, and Larry Nance Jr. Mm-hmm. They're much better in wins than they are in losses, but it's nothing compared to Dame. It is all about Damian Lillard. So if they can get him back starting Sunday, then that. I mean, this team is a better, obviously, team with Dame, and they're just a different team with Dame. So we'll see if he's back Sunday. I hope he is because they have kind of a really tough schedule coming up. They've got four games at home coming up against the Timberwolves, the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Hornets. I think I think all those teams are ahead of the Blazers in the standings right now. I'd have to look and see if the Hornets are. But, you know, they don't have any games that are easy coming up on the schedule Let's pull up their schedule really quick to wrap up here. Yeah, this I mean, this is a, a brutal schedule. Yeah, so T-Wolves, Suns, Grizzlies, and Hornets all at home. Then they go on the road to play the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. Then they come back home for the Nets, the Mavericks, and the Jazz, and then they end the year on the road against the <laughs> Lakers on New Year's Eve. So there's nothing easy here. They, right. they need Dame back. They're four games under five they There are only six teams who have more losses in the NBA than the Blazers and only six teams who have fewer wins than the Blazers. And and the thing is, um, you know, because the West is really top-heavy, they're, they're not that far they're, out. They're still in the mix. Yeah, yeah, they're still in the mix. So, I mean, there's you just got to pick up a, a couple of these wins, yep. Y- yep. you know. But I guess on the bright side is, you know, there's a lot of good teams coming to Portland. So <laughs> if you're trying to watch a good team play, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you can you can at least do that and, and, and get some t- – 
some tickets. I, I hear they're uh, historically low, <laughs> yeah. you know, depending on who I the opponent that. is. Something like 10 bucks for like <laughs> 200 level seating. Right. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm like, get <laughs> yours, man. If you're in Portland, you know, t- take the uh, Max train down there. Don't even worry about parking. You can get in for, for a good price, man. Hey, if Blazers you... fans, it's safe to go back to the Moda Center now. <laughs> Neil O'Shea is no longer in the Oh, building. you couldn't, you couldn't <laughs> help it on the way out, huh? Well, well, Jared, uh, it was it was a great podcast again, man. I'm glad we got to do this. Uh, a lot of fun as usual, man. So hopefully we can get back to doing this uh, a little sooner. But with you know the holiday season and stuff, we'll play it by ear. But man, Rip City, we're back. KGW's three on three Blazers, Jared. It's been real. Thank you so much for rocking with the pod. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care, y'all. <laughs>